So as many of you know, we are into Ephesians chapter 6, and we're traveling on through about midway, and we're going to get into the part of Ephesians that many of us would be familiar with. And it's the part where Paul opens up a bit of understanding around spiritual warfare. Forgive me for some of the lack of artistic scenes for spiritual warfare. We definitely have to pray for gifted art, artists to get involved because there's a lot of cheese out there. And I'm a bit lactose intolerant. But uh, I know that's pretty bad. I hear But it was really hard to get pictures that were not just not working. So forgive me. I will be limited in my, in my graphics. But before we get into Ephesians 6.12, before we get started, I just wanted to give a bit of a preamble a bit of a context, because not everyone may have this understanding. The understanding that you, when you stepped out of your mother's womb, you entered a battle. The battle has been raging since the fall of humanity. We're familiar with Adam and Eve, and particularly Genesis chapter 3. You may not like it, you may not want it, but it doesn't change the fact that you're in it. It's a battle. It's between two forces, the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God. Now, since the fall of Adam, Satan has led the spiritual forces of wickedness against humanity, seeking only to kill, to steal, and to destroy that which God has created and those who are created in the image and likeness of God. And when this happened in Genesis chapter 2, darkness prevailed on the planet. Now, at a point in time around 2,000 years ago, the Father sent a light to the earth. John 3.16, God so loved the world. And in the darkness, there rose this great light. This light shone, and darkness could not overcome it. And this light is Jesus. He did not necessarily bring light. He is light. And the Lord Jesus fixed his eyes upon the root cause of darkness and began casting out these rebellious squatters. He said, in fact, to the Pharisees, by this you know the kingdom of God has come to this planet because I'm driving out demons. He proved to proclaim the kingdom of God had come and no amount of evil force can dislodge it. It was established. Light has come. He commanded people to repent and believe on him. And through faith in him, he would accomplish, and faith on him and what he accomplished in his crucifixion, his burial, and his ascension, people could step out of this darkness into light on this planet. As a result, the light spread to those who would obey the command. Before he left the earth, he commanded his disciples to preach the gospel of the kingdom to everyone. Jesus, the light, has extended the terms of surrender to all humanity, to everyone. God is willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. He is calling humanity to forsake their sin, their world, and their master, and follow him. Now, he has promised to return to this planet. He will judge Satan and the demons, and he will cast them into hell. And all the humans that stay committed to this dominion of darkness and despised the petitions of God to come out into the light of his kingdom. Now, in light of that context, I want to step into this passage 
I want to, I'm going to ask you to be a bit patient with me as I go through, because I might get a bit more into the nuances. I might just tighten it up to get a bit more micro, because I find familiar passages, you can often miss it, because it's so familiar. Many of us can probably quote aspects of it, but the quoting of it is the beginning. The living is the end goal. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Let's go a little closer. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength, the power of his might, his force, his ability. This is not present imperative tense. This is a tense I love. Do this and continue doing this. Finally, he's saying finally at the end of a very intense letter. This is what remains. This is what he wants to speak about. This is what he wants to leave them with. Be strong. Strong in what? Your strength? Be strong in your strength. Be strong. Be strong. You can do it. Be strong. Your finances. Be strong in your finances. Trust in your finances. Be strong in your abilities. See, we desire to have, to have self-strength. There's an aversion to trusting in other people for strength. Maybe some things, but when we get deep, God knows this. Look at Israel. God was always challenging Israel to where they put their, str- their trust. In fact, even horses, God poo-pooed, as it were, because he knew they would trust in horses. They would trust it in the battle. They would begin to look at, as they grew in, in, in finances, and they grew in strength, and they grew in all of the things that they did as Israel, they began to trust in self. We even see it in this psalm. Now I know the, that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some praise their chariots, some their horses, some their bank accounts, some their future RSPs, some their, their physical strength. But we will praise the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, Lord, may the king answer us in the day that we call. This is a man who has a revelation from the Holy Spirit. This is where this comes from. We know that the Lord even disciplined David for counting Israel as though the number of soldiers were the reason they would win or not win. Do not think it's, it's hard to slip. You can slip quickly in this thought. Have you noticed that the more you get, the less you feel you need to trust? Finally, be strong. Be strong, be strong, be. Accept the availability of God's strength by virtue of being a child of God. Be strong. You're not commanded to just be strong. Come on, you can do it. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, the strength, the who he is. We can often forget this. 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides in us as as children of God. You know, it's interesting when Paul was challenging Corinth and he had heard about what's going on. And in, in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, I'm going to come and I'm basically going to challenge and test you. But he says, I'm not going to essentially test your doctrine, whether it's the Nicene Creed or the Apostolic Creed or what you have on your website. I'm going to test if there's power. Because the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Paul's expecting to go to a church. You think it might be isolated just to the apostolic or just to the original apostles. No, this is meant for those in Christ to have access to power. The Lord's strength is available to you and I to be strong. I don't feel strong. Don't worry. It doesn't go on feelings. You don't understand what I'm going through. Yes, I do. I'm on the earth too. I got a target on the back. I don't float out of bed. Hey, how you doing? Oh, bless you, my children. And you know, the smog machine's working as it's the, you know, like, it's about facts. It's about getting real. This is the truth. The noise in your head may say otherwise. And we're going to get into that, the noise, because there's lots of it. Be strong. It's a position. Where are you seated? Right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Jesus Christ was raised and seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 2. We are in Christ, seated at the right hand of God. That's where you are spiritually. That's where your authority comes from. Doesn't matter if you have a good day or a bad day. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now that you're done being strong in the Lord, you're required to do something. To put on. To sink into. To clothe oneself. It's an interesting thought. This is not a new thought in the New Testament, though. Colossians says this. And put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. So that those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's a choice, eh? Put it on. Galatians 3.27. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. Romans 13.14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Be strong, put on. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, and put on. He's exhorting us here to put on the full armor of God. To be prepared for something. Have you ever shown up to an activity and it's like you're completely ill-equipped to do it? How about we're going to meet for a hike and you show up in high heels? You may have every good intention behind the high heels and the, the, the skirt or what have you. But it's ill-equipped. You're ill-equipped for the job at hand, which is hiking. It's interesting what he's telling us to put on here. We don't as of yet know what this armor looks like, but there's an exhortation to put it on. 
It's like you're leaving the house. He's going, no, you might want to put that on. Oh, really? Huh, that's interesting. And don't just put on parts of it. There's something he's going to say, you need to put on the full armor. Not just the bits you like. Some of, the, some of the armor you may have better revelation on than others, but it's always by faith. To trust him. The full armor. Why, Paul? Why is this so important? So that you, you, talking to you and me, may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. How are you standing? How are you guys doing? How's the noise? Schemes, cunning arts, the schemes, deceit, the schemes, craftiness, the schemes, trickery. He's been around a long time, a lot longer than you. He comes as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his trickery, your minds will be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For such men, speaking of these these guys that come in, are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Your enemy is a liar. A very, very, very convincing liar. His primary purpose is lying. Jesus says about him, he is the fathers of lies. In fact, he rebukes the Pharisees as being his children. He said, you're like your father, the devil. When he lies, he speaks from his very being. He's one of those perpetual liars when you're just speaking, and they just, they're just lying. It's, it's who they are. And what is his primary purpose against you? Can he take your salvation? Okay. Okay, good, good. His primary person is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. You remember in Ephesians chapter 2 that God has said through Paul that you are his workmanship. You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God foreordained for you to fulfill. God has called you to himself. But he's also called you into a church. And in that, you will fulfill a calling he has on your life. To bear fruit. We know that the parable of the miners, the parable of the talents. We know the vine dresser. We know what the scriptures say, that God is looking for fruit in our lives. This is where he will resist. This is where he will stand against. I encourage us to consider this. The noise that is that is challenging you and who you are. The schemes, the good ideas. Maybe you struggled with pride before you came to Christ. So it's a bit of a trap line. So when you get visions from the Lord, you start to go, I'm pretty good. I'm the next apostle to the nations. What is Canada going to do without me? 
See, he pushes you. There's, and it's like the demon. Yeah, you know, it's great. It's a good point. Why doesn't anyone understand your incredible giftings? It's pride. You're, you're, you're prone to that. Now, we're all prone to pride. I get that. As a macro. But insecurity. God says you do something. And, 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 and the devil goes, you can't do that. And so now you don't, are, are contained. It's the noise in the head. It's the trash talk. It's the scheming against you. He knows you intimately. He knows your insecurities. And it's so important for us to be aware, to be sober, to be vigilant in this. For our adversary prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you've ever watched lions as they survey the herd, and they just survey, and they survey, and they survey, and they see either a sicker, or older, or a baby, and try to isolate. That's the idea here. And he will push you into good ideas, and he will push you into these things that have nothing to do with Scripture or calling. The prior insecurities, the prior issues. You may just all of a sudden just have such a temptation to go out and get hammered because you used to struggle with alcohol. Where someone who's never touched alcohol in their life may have a completely other to start railing against the government. You may have more understanding of what the Illuminati's doing than what the Word of God says. And you feel you're doing God's work. You feel you're making an impact. But it's just not true. They're just lies. The scheming, the cunning. He's a cheater. He's here to rob you. All of this has to be put on, on, on as we're on the table. This is the time we're in, man. He who has ears to hear. Be careful of the noise. Be careful of your ears that are insecure still. Still that broken child. Still that person that was abused. Because here's a certain way. How do I know? Because that was me. How do I feel powerful? I don't, I, I want to feel, no, it's in weakness we are made strong. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We are living in very strange times. Romans chapter 1 gave us some inclination as to what was coming, but this is even beyond what I would have thought. The enemy is working overtime to deceive Christians. Yes, the world's deceived. We know that. I'm talking about the church. To deceive you, to give you strange doctrines. Even the Bible says doctrines of demons. To make you feel like you're doing something when you're doing nothing to advance the kingdom of God. To, con- to kill, to rob, to destroy. He has no problem with you fighting in the flesh. He's happy about it. You know the prayers that you're taking down strongholds and whatever you're doing and you think you're doing. Is it, are you sure that's what the spirit is leading you to do? The flesh profits nothing. He goes, look what my flesh brings, dude. It's crucified. I have found, and I've seen it in Israel, I've seen it in my own life, that when times are easy, we wane. Being on our knees is less. Remember that time when you had no money, barely to pay the, pay the rent? 
It's like no atheist in a foxhole, right? There's something about how we become dependent on the blessings of God. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you ever wonder how they made the golden calf? Where'd they get the gold? From Egypt. Who, who gave it to them? Egyptians. So they took a blessing of God and they idolized it. They used the gold that God blessed them with to make an idol. It's a fascinating study. Do not allow that to happen. How many times have you, I don't know if you guys have been in the, in the faith a long time, but I've been in it for a long time. And I see a lot of people getting taken out. I see the mixture. I see the slack. I, I, I just see things that are, am I saying they're not saved? Not at all. It's a desire to bear fruit. It's a desire in that final day when we stand before Christ that we're able to give that's, that wood, hay, and stubble is burnt away and there's gold, silver. That which matters, that which is eternal, that which is of value. Do not let Satan shelve your calling. Do not shelve your calling yourself. Why are you here? You may be called into the marketplace. That's great. Most of us are. But that's part of the kingdom. All that money in your bank account, it ain't all for you. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Abraham was blessed and God wanted to bless the world through Abraham. It's a principle of the kingdom. It is better to give than receive. Edification of the body. Activation. God's wanting the body to move. To stand up by the spirit of God. It's by the spirit we walk these things out. Next week, it's Pentecost. It's not actually Pentecost. That was 2,000 years ago. I understand. Before I get the text. Uh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I remember when I first came to the charismatic church, um, I struggled with it. I struggled with a lot of what I called flesh. Now, was it flesh? I don't know. I was pretty judgy, to be honest. I wouldn't trust the, that guy 26 if I talked to him. I'm just saying. But I couldn't escape the story of Jesus telling the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received power. Come on high. And I asked the Lord, I said, where is this power? Where is this that you speak of? Like Gideon. Remember Gideon speaking of the days when Israel came out of Egypt. Where is this power? In the power of strength. Like in him. In his power. And so I sought the Lord. And I know this is the challenge some of you may have with the baptism of the Holy Spirit here today. Is You grew up a Baptist, or I was Baptist and brethren. So within you is so deep-rooted, contrary to this, this truth. It's in you. I'm just asking you to suspend it. To read the scriptures, suspend it. I'll never forget my buddy who I was mentoring got tongues before me. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit before me. I was so annoyed. Because I'd read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, or, or chapter 2. When, when, when Paul says, I did not come to you with eloquent words of wisdom so that your faith will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When he's coming to a church that's pretty rebellious in chapter 4 and says, I'm going to test your power. 
Whereas I'm like, what do you believe on the five points? What do you Where is the power of God? For yourself, but for, for the other, others. This is what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 6 here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And I remember pursuing it. I went to a place called the Brownsville Revival. Anyone ever hear that? It's out there. And I remember getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I remember I couldn't speak to my wife in English. It's a vulgar thing to say, but I was puking tongues. And I remember the Lord saying to me, them that draw me, draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to. I came at you, Nick, as hard as you were coming at me. And I was messed up for months after. God is looking to meet with Hungry people, not peckish. There's no, there is no, I see nowhere in scripture. It's like he's going to come and say, oh, you comfy? What would you like with that? Can I get you anything? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Do not allow the hurt in your life to hold you back from hunger. Do not allow the hurt in your life to rob you of hunger with excuses. Because they're all excuses before the nail-pierced hands of the Son of God the one we will stand before one day. And so I encourage you with, with, with what's next Sunday. For those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I need a, just a filling up. I don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit again, but I do need a filling. I need a touch. And I encourage you with what we're getting into this week and, and next Sunday and the rest of the year is the Spirit of God. We desperately need to walk in the Spirit, to commune in the Spirit, to minister in the Spirit. This is all about the Spirit. I'll give you one last story. This weekend, I've had a lot of struggles with my hands and my feet. I don't know if it's cortisol or whatever it is. I've been really struggling, just even to get my mind right. And the Lord dropped in my heart, pray in tongues, it will edify you. And I prayed in tongues for five minutes, because I'm, I'm a guy that prays, but I don't pray in tongues, like, and in five minutes, something happened. God has given us these things to equip us, to bless us, to encourage us, to edify us. Not just so you know about it and live like a pauper eating the bread and water because you're a good Christian and this is what righteousness looks like. That's pride. He wants you to eat at the table that he set. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. So I'm just going to ask you to stand together as we close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just lift your name high. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ over the cinema, the spiritual realm, over this place. We declare the supremacy, the kingship, the lordship. We declare that no weapon formed against us can prosper with you for us. Who can be against us? Thank you, Lord. You are Lord. We exalt your name in this place. We lift you high. We long to be useful to you, to commune with you, to know you, to bear much fruit, to proclaim you, to heal the sick, to give glory to the Father. We long to do God's work, but we must, oh God, teach us the way of God. 
We just pray that we just throw all the flesh onto the fire. We offer our bodies a living sacrifice. We agree with you, the flesh profits nothing. I pray that you'd take our stinginess with our time. That you'd convict us of stinginess with money and time and our hearts. Me and my kingdom. No, it's you, Lord, and your kingdom. We declare the kingdom of God, the supremacy, the worth. Lord, we ask you, just take it afresh. All the noise, all the junk, just take it, Lord. All the pain, all the stuff that defines us now. Oh, God, that you would step down, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would lead us to repentance, that you would deliver. We lift you high, Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Amen. Just open your heart. We're going to sing this song again. It's a powerful song. Open your heart.